Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch and welcome to Ovicast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode will bring you latest insights, advice and technical updates for the sheep industry. As part of Animal Health Awareness Week, we're joined by Department of Agriculture Vets Caroline Garvin and Damien Barrett. We start off with Damien explaining the objective of Animal Health Awareness Week and its importance in the current climate. Caroline explains antimicrobial resistance and why it's a major concern and the concept of the One Health Approach. We discuss the usage within the sheep sector and how the overall industry figure is calculated. Caroline explains why some antibiotics are deemed critically important due to the use in human medicine and how the route of administration can impact the development of antimicrobial resistance. Both Damien and Caroline discuss good animal health and how it can impact productivity, how we should approach health issues on farms and ways sheep farmers can reduce their antibiotic usage. We move on to discuss the health challenges facing the sector at present and we finally finish up discussing the programme of informative webinars that will take place as part of this year's Animal Health Awareness Week, which runs from the 18th to the 24th of November. We start off, however, getting a bit of background to the roles both Damien and Caroline have within the department. Thanks very much, Kieran. I'm a superintending veterinary inspector in the department, and I've been working in the antimicrobial resistance section for the last five years. And I suppose my role there at the moment is to oversee the delivery of all the actions that are included in INAP, which is Ireland's national action plan to address antimicrobial resistance. So we have all the key stakeholders involved in delivery, the IFA, Veterinary Ireland, Chagas, anyone with an interest in the agri-food sector is involved and so I'm responsible to make sure everyone does what they sign up to do effectively. It's quite a broad role so it is. Damien, um, certainly some producers in the Sligo region might be familiar with you but you might give us a bit of introduction to yourself. Yes, thanks very much Kieran. Uh, Like Caroline, I'm a superintendent veterinary inspector in uh, the the department and uh, one of my main responsibilities is in the area of um, animal health surveillance and while animal health surveillance it's, it's not necessarily somebody climbing up a tree with a set of binoculars it's it's more about the the gathering of animal health information and uh, feeding feeding that information back to to the various stakeholders and um i suppose our primary stakeholder is would be the producer so um we're we're very keen to try and and make farmers more aware and better informed about the importance of animal health. Yeah, I mean, I might stay with you because part of the reason you both joined me this week is this is part of the Animal Health Awareness Week. You might explain for our listeners what the objective of that is. Um, animal Health Awareness Week um, was was a recommendation from a, a, a review of our early warning surveillance system. Um, our early warning surveillance system is there to detect the incursion of an exotic disease as promptly as possible so that if something was to emerge that uh, the department could become aware of it as soon as possible so that control measures could be put in place but like they while these exotic diseases garner the headlines it's the endemic diseases the common diseases like the abortions like um like diarrheas like clostridial disease um that actually caused the most loss at farm level. So we've a twin track approach on this from an animal health perspective. Yes, we want to make people aware of the the headline, the dramatic things, but in reality, the the common diseases are probably leading to more losses. And um, one thing we also want to get 
across during the course of, of, of this week. And I suppose it's coinciding with uh, the COP, this, the COP26 in Glasgow, that um, healthy, healthy um, livestock production is, is sustainable and profitable. Like so, it's 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 in it's in our best interest from several perspectives to uh, try and improve animal health at farm level. I suppose it just brings us to that larger picture. Like it's a one health approach. It it also falls in as part of the World Antimicrobial Awareness Week. Caroline, if I just bring you in at this point, like the objective of that week and the link between what we do in the animal world and human health has become more important and has come more into focus in recent years. Yeah, I think here on it's never been more important and we're all well aware of the COVID epidemic that was in the middle of and the possible link between you know, the transfer of disease from, from animals to humans. And so One Health is the concept that's out there that we're all working towards. We want healthy animals and healthy animals will help, you know, maintain healthy humans, if you like. But on the AMR piece, I suppose what we're talking about really, we're talking about resistance to certain medicines that we took for granted. And in particular, we're talking about antibiotics. So what we're seeing now, and it's increasingly so, particularly in certain parts of the world, the antibiotics aren't working. They aren't working in, in the human population. They also aren't working in the animal population. And the reality is there's been no new antibiotic developed in the last 30 years. And if there are any new ones developed, they won't go into animal health. So in order to protect animal health and welfare, we have to look at how we're using antibiotics in our, in our, in our animals, in our sheep. And key to that is preventing disease and optimizing animal health because healthy animals don't need antibiotics. And so that's why we've come together with Damien's side because the two run hand in hand. If you optimize your animal health and manage your disease, it's all about disease prevention, you will reduce your antibiotic use. And it's fair to say that the, the animal health sector has come under a lot of scrutiny because in, we use more antibiotics in our animals because they're heavier than we use in, in the human population. And it's the increased use that has meant that some antibiotics, particularly in our hospitals, no longer work. And so our, our, our human health colleagues you know, are, are, are up against the, the, the dilemma that they don't have, in certain cases, antibiotics to treat human health. And in 2019, there were 250 people died in Irish hospitals because there was no antibiotic to treat the disease. So the message is farmers, all farmers and anyone that has an animal really has a responsibility to look and try and reduce their level of antibiotic use. Because if they reduce their level of antibiotic use, they'll have healthier animals because they won't have disease, but they're also, they're helping It's at a societal level. Again, it's going back to this One Health. We're, we're helping our neighbours, our communities to make sure that when they go into hospital or they go to their GP and need an antibiotic, that that, that antibiotic will still work. And that's something that certainly can't be underestimated. Caroline, I might just tease out a couple of points with you. Maybe just firstly, um, you talked there about we're using more of it because of the weight of it. How we measure that in the livestock sector, you know, you hear terms like PCUs. Would you just maybe for the listeners explain how that's measured and what that means? Yeah, PCU is population correction unit. And what's been going on for the last five or six years is at European level, every country has to submit the total quantity, the 
the total weight of antibiotic that's been sold in the country and then that's measured against the total mass of the animals in the country so what they try to do is they correct for if you have more cattle in one country or more pigs in another country you try to compare like with like so it's available it's readily out there to compare what we use in ireland versus what we use in the uk well, they're no longer in Europe now, but what we use in Germany, any of the key markets that we're trying to export to, they will be able to see, well, am I going to buy from Ireland? What's their level of antibiotic use? Because the consumer is really driving this. And we now have this movement towards this idea of antibiotic free. And this is not something the Department of Agriculture supports because you will have a huge animal welfare issue if you say i'm never going to use antibiotics what we're promoting is responsible use of antibiotics and it's misinformation that's getting out there because you know it, it, it's it is it is acceptable to use antibiotics when they're necessary and so what we want to see is not that everyone stops using antibiotics tomorrow but that they make interventions to reduce them where they can in certain instances on their farm and um, i have to talk about that later some practical strategies that can be you know used on sheep farms like look just in terms of the sheep sector how does it compare caroline relative to other sectors domestically or even internationally in terms of antibiotic usage well it's fair to say the the information that we have at the moment and it's not as detailed as we would like um, but it's fair to say that the sheep sector would not be considered the whole sector by a long shot but at the same time, there are certainly areas for improvement in the sheep sector. There could be greater use of vaccines, particularly, say, the Pasteurella vaccine, but also the, the, abortion, the abortion vaccines. Instead of using long-acting antibiotics, that you would vaccinate the EOs against um, enzootic abortion. So there's, there's certainly room for improvement. There's certainly a need to look at even after, after lambing, you know, are, is there routine use of antibiotics? Caroline, like the route of administration could potentially have an impact on the development of AMR as well. So I suppose just to elaborate on that point, like what is the difference between oral and injectable antibiotics and which is the riskier? That's a really important point to raise because the oral, the orally administered antibiotics, ones that go in through the mouth and straight into the gut, are far more likely to drop resistance. There's a far greater risk because you're you're putting the antibiotic, and I'm thinking now of certain treatments that you might be given to your to your day old, your newborn lambs. You put the antibiotics straight into the gut where they meet the bacteria in the gut, and that's where the, the resistance develops in those gut bacteria. And then those gut bacteria will be, you know, excreted out into the environment, into the soil, getting into the water potentially. And you know, there's a risk of spread into the human and animal population. So when the bacteria are exposed immediately to the antibiotic, there's a much greater risk of resistance developing. So an injectable is less likely to drive resistance. Now, it still it does to, to some extent, but it's the oral ones that we have the greatest concern about in, in all populations they pose the greater challenge. Caroline, just one other concept that comes into that. There are differences within the antibiotics that are available in America, and there is that concept of the critically important antibiotics, and you touched on it earlier on the importance of human health. Maybe just briefly you might explain what the differences are in the commonly used antibiotics. Yeah, sure, Kiro. And this, this is a really, really important message that we have been trying to get out to, to all the stakeholders, I, I suppose, in particular to the vets, because they're the ones that prescribe these. But there are certain classes of antibiotics that are 
drugs of last resort in human health care. And so what this means is they are used when the first line treatment, the second line treatment doesn't work. And, and I've seen it. I've seen it myself in, in my own family with one of my children who got a really resistant E. coli kidney infection. And she was very, very sick in the hospital. And they did culture and sensitivity on her urine. And the only antibiotic that would work was one that I had used when I was in practice in sheep, in cattle and also in dogs and cats. And that was the only one out of 10 antibiotics that was going to treat her infection. And she was so sick. So it's just so important that we are not using these antibiotics as first line treatment, that we are only using them when absolutely necessary. And we have developed a code of good practice on this that requires that culture and susceptibility testing should be done, which will tell you which antibiotics are going to work. And only if you have that, you can then use one of these HBCIAs. But to be fair, Kieran, I wouldn't think there's many used in the sheep sector. Um, but really, we should be sticking with the penicillins, the oxytetracyclines, because in most cases, they will work. We should not be going for what some might refer to as the stronger antibiotics. They're just too important in human health. And really, there was a vote in the European Parliament there a few weeks ago. And what they were looking for in Europe was that we would take these out of the animal population completely. And that's not something we want. So we, we have a responsibility to use them responsibly. And I think if if human health side and if the population in general can see that there's a responsible approach to the use of these antibiotics, we'll keep them in the animal health sector. We do need them, but we just need to be careful when we use them and how we use them. And I think your example there certainly brings it home in its importance. Damon, I just look back to you for a moment. Like good animal health has always been important. So it has. I suppose in the first instance, um, it's it's almost existential for 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 livestock farmers and if we look at, at at sheep farming in particular like if you've got an outbreak of a disease um and i suppose a lot of this with with sheep farming in particular because you've got a burden the, the the lambing season is so is relatively condensed compared to other 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 farming systems that if you've got a an outbreak of disease at the wrong time um it can it can have very, very serious um, economic implications very, very quickly. Like I was I, in preparing for this, I, I just looked back at some some presentations we did over the years and I was looking at, I was, I was particularly taken by a, a slide from um, a couple of years ago that we presented that was based on a lamb price of five euros per kilo and uh, a, a lambing, say at one and a half lambs per year lambed. An outbreak of borscht in, in, in that kind of a setup could, could based on 100 euros, could cost 1,500 euros. And if that, that's a 10% rate, which wouldn't be that high. And, and a 20% rate of a borscht wouldn't be unheard of. And that's going to create losses of 3,000 euros. Now, there isn't that kind of money to spare on your average sheep farm. So these are, these are what we would consider avoidable losses. And like that that goes all through the system from lambing to weaning and 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 on to if and on to the sale so any any losses along the way they're going to have quite quite substantial um quite quite substantial economic implications and like the thing is um the flock health the the, the sheep the sheep have a um production has evolved from being really 
based on an individual animal to have been really based on on the production of a group and like and you're probably looking into bigger numbers but when you get into the bigger numbers there is that potential for contagious diseases to move faster and and create more losses so um it's a production system that that really needs um attention to detail and a systematic approach to managing health. And in fairness, a lot of sheep farmers do have that systematic approach. And, um, but it's one of those things that you can never, you can never be complacent because um, with, with the least bit of complacency, um, disease can, can sneak up behind you and, and cause that, that kind of losses. Like then the bigger picture, say of, of, um, the sustainability and, and, and all of that, all those losses are, you're going to have animals producing the methane and all that that are that are not productive. So that's not going to help with the carbon footprint of a particular farm. But I think it, I think on the whole, it come it comes back to the health and well the health and welfare of the sheep and the profitability for the farmer. And I think your example, Damien, is a very relevant one. Like in the face of a disease outbreak, such as an abortion outbreak, it really highlights the need to make use of the laboratory services that are available. And that joined up approach with your local PVP and working through a problem. Oh, oh yeah. Like that's, as I said earlier on, no more than with exotic diseases at a national level, at a, at a farm level, getting in there early and determining what's the cause of this problem and putting in putting in the measures in place to to deal with it there and then and for the subsequent lambing seasons is is important and like there's no point there's no point in waiting here for for things to get out of control and there is the network as you say of regional veterinary labs around the country that, whose job it is there to um di- diagnose the like the like of these these issues in conjunction with with farmers' own um, private veterinary practitioners, but but like um, there's no time to lose in these situations, really, um, because if, if if these diseases by their contagious nature get a hold, um, the, the the consequences can be very very devastating. Well, it's always something that's evolving and changing, and the challenge can vary from year to year on farms. Like, just Caroline, I might come back to you for a moment on this one. The steps we can take, and you touched on some of this already, but the steps we can take to reduce antibiotic usage in farms, and I suppose we, we really need to focus on this, is reducing that routine antibiotic usage. Yeah, absolutely, Ciarán. I mean, we all, we all develop habits and we think, well, look, it's worked for the last 20 years. Why wouldn't I continue? And the reality is you can't if you want to successfully prevent the development and spread of AMR. And there's new legislation coming into force, new veterinary medicines legislation on the 28th of January next year. And the whole driver, particularly behind this legislation, is to address AMR. So you can't, your PVP now will have some constraints on how they prescribe in terms of only prescribing the quantity needed for the disease at the time. And in terms of prevention, it's only for individual animal treatment and not, you know, this blanket treatment across the board. So vets will have to look at how they at how they are prescribing. Caroline, so one obvious ways to reduce some of this antibiotic usage is through correct diagnosis that Damien has touched on and vaccine usage where applicable. 
Yeah, absolutely. I suppose we talk about the six R's of responsible use and the first R is right veterinary diagnosis. So it's really important to know, as I mentioned with, with you know, with treating scar in lambs, that you know you've an E. coli. But vaccines are the way forward. It's all about disease prevention. And an investment in a vaccine, it may seem a cost at the time, but it delivers. As, as, as Damien said, the cost of abortion can be eliminated if you vaccinate. So you've got vaccines now, very effective vaccines for abortion. You have vaccines, Pasteurella for pneumonia. You've also got the lameness vaccine. So there is a move in other sectors, certainly in, in, in beef and, and, and um, pigs in particular, to implement greater use of vaccines. But apart from vaccines, you can also look at your whole biosecurity policy. You know, if you're if you're buying in, if you're buying in animals that you, you quarantine them, um, you know, look at their feet in terms of is there a risk of foot rot developing in the in the flock. But I suppose and then the hygiene, the husbandry, you know, as I said, clean lambing pens, you know, better ventilation sheds. And I suppose the last thing is if you do have to use antibiotics, make sure you use them as they're prescribed. So correct dose and correct duration. But I just might mention, um, Kieran, that there was a code of practice developed specifically for the sheep sector regarding the responsible use of, of antimicrobials on, on sheep farms. And it's it's on our it's on our website, it's gov.ie forward slash AMR, but it just covers all the relevant conditions like the joint ill, the lameness, the abortion, pneumonia, and it just just, it's a really useful little reference document and it just gives, you know, it goes into greater detail on what I'm saying here about the tools that farmers can use. Certainly, I'll include that link in the description. It's a very useful reference. Like, look, you highly there doing the basics, getting a hygiene rate or biosecurity. That has a huge relevance. I might just throw this one to both of you, though, but name of the challenges from a health or an AMO perspective and cheap. Well, I, I would have thought um, that one of the, one of the more... Um, well, it's not, it's, I suppose it's not an imminent challenge. It's the challenge that's with us a while is the whole issue of anthelmintic resistance. Um, and anthelmintics have been, have been a huge tool for um, sheep production for quite some time. But like, like the story with antimicrobials, they, their continued use and perhaps misuse um, has given rise to, to um, anthelmintics anthelmintic resistance and that's making that's making the whole issue of um treatment for for warming a, a lot, lot more complicated and uh and that's not that's not going to go away i think um and it's it's something we're going to have to work on and probably adopt a, a combination of um well we'd be hoping there'll be new new drugs emerging that's unlikely, um, and we're probably we're probably going to have to work with the drugs we have, and to manage them better and um, target treatment on animals that need it, and animals that don't need the treatment not not to be treated um, in in inadvertently. Um, just uh, on on the issue of of parasites, as as I'm speaking, and um, as and when Caroline is given a plug for a website, I might give a plug for a website as well. Um, our animal health surveillance website and there's a particular 
there's a particular item on this that I think is particularly of interest to um, sheep farmers in that we do a, a survey for the last couple of years of lambs going for slaughter on fluke. And we're getting a picture of what's the situation from fluke from probably July or August each year. And it's based on, on the current year's lamb crop. So these, if these animals have antibodies to fluke, they got them this year. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's given as an early warning of fluke uh, or given as a warning of fluke far earlier in the season than we would have, say, in previous years when um, the fluke warning would have come out in, in December. So um, that, that website is um, www.animalhealthsurveillance.agriculture.gov.ie. Certainly another useful one, Damien, I'd be glad to include that as well. Like, I think the Antenna Lake one is something we've covered on a number of times in this podcast and certainly one relevant to all producers. I suppose we also have to be aware, and Caroline, I may even bring you back in on this one, there will be other challenges coming down the line on antibiotics, and particularly next year, the big change, of course, will be through the prescriptions, and that's going to have an impact on both vets and farmers and how they approach treatment. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing to mention is, and you've probably already covered this previously, Kieran, is that all antimensics will be going prescription-only medicine next year um, because the reason for this is that the Health Products Regulatory Authority who determine what way medicines are supplied, they found such um, a degree of evidence of resistance in, in our flocks and in our herds that they have moved them to become prescription-only medicine. So as Damien outlined, to be honest, antiparasitic or antimensic resistance is, is probably a bigger issue in animal health in sheep than, than any other sector. And we're aware of this and there has been a sheep casa developed. So vets are being trained up to, to look at developing flock health programs specifically around parasite control and built into those programs will be fecal egg count testing. And not just one-off test, but a test after treatment. So 10 to 14 days after you've dosed the sheep, you go in, you retest, and that will tell you if the treatment you're still that you're using is still working. Because that's key. Because if you've been using the same, as Damien said, the same drenches the whole time, there will be a buildup of resistance. And in some cases, if you're lucky, you mightn't have enough account to require treatment so you're wasting your money and you're driving resistance so there's a lot of work being done around around the antiparasitics so look this as i said at the beginning is part of the animal health awareness week and it's only a part of the program that's in place you have a series of webinars coming up i might just get you to um give us a bit of description of what's happening next week yeah, thanks, Kieran. I'll kick off and just cover there's four webinars. And um, just to say, we will be hoping that people would be you know, able to tune in um, at the time. They're all on every evening, starting on November the 18th. They're on from 7 to 8.30 p.m., but they will be recorded. So there is a possibility of looking at them later on. But the first webinar on Thursday the 18th is an AMR dedicated webinar because November 18th year is European Antibiotic Awareness Day. So we're very much focusing on AMR. We have a hospital consultant from Galway who is the HSE lead on AMR in this country, Martin Cormican, and we have a GP from Cork, Nulo O'Connor, and they're going to give their perspective on AMR in the midst of COVID because speaking to Martin previously, he said, long after COVID is gone, AMR will still be with us. 
And so it's very important that we see AMR in the one health context. So it's an issue for human health and animal health. Then we also have a, a vet from the UK speaking about how agriculture is leading in, in, in addressing AMR. So he's just going to give the perspective of what they've been doing in the UK and, and their experience over there. And, and finally, then we have a, a pig farmer talking because we're very much about having showing farmers that it can be done and, and, and peer to peer learning. So this farmer has decided that he wanted to reduce his antibiotics use in his pig farm so he worked very closely with his pig with his vet and his nutritionist and together they were very successful basically through biosecurity and vaccination so the same thing can be done in the sheep sector but he's just going to talk about how he managed to reduce his antibiotic use to zero he had more healthier pigs he had more profitable pigs so it's just to outline how it can be done in the animal health sector and then i'm just going to lead to the third webinar, which is on the 23rd of November. And this is a webinar focusing on herd health. And this one looks at the importance of proactive herd health planning. And we, we've talked about this earlier, Kieran, in terms of having flock health management programs in place on our farm. So it's about being proactive rather than reactive. So we have a few speakers on that day. It's more dairy focused possibly, but um, we have Ailish Moriarty, who's a manager of the quality and carry agribusiness and she is a Nuffield scholar looking at bulk milk testing, bulk milk antibody testing as a herd health management tool. Then we have Fiona Lovett who is a sheep health um, consultant with the Royal College of the UK and they have developed this very successful farm vet champion program where it, it has developed um, it's an initiative to to train and, and, and empower vets to establish good antimicrobial structure. so good prescribed practice both in the veterinary practice but also with the farmers because this is a collaborative effort this is not just the vet the vet and the farmer have to work together um, to improve you know how they use antibiotics and overall sustainability because it is not sustainable to keep using antibiotics the way they have been used up to now. Then our third speaker is looking at selective dry cow therapy on dairy farms, Fanola McCoy from AHI, and Fanola is always an excellent speaker. This will be of interest for, for your audience today. It's, it's James O'Shaughnessy who will be looking at future parasitic challenges at farm level. And so, you know, he will cover the whole antiparasitic resistance and anthemintic resistance in his talk. So that's two out of the four, and I'll hand over to Damien to cover the last two. Yeah, um, thanks, Caroline. The uh, the, the other um, um, webinar on November the twenty second. That's um, that webinar is very much focused. It's a one health webinar, but it's focusing on zoonosis, and um, we're going to have a a, a kind of a. a an overview from uh, a speaker in the UK, Helen Roberts, about kind of what are the threats at an international level. We're also going to have um, a speaker um, from the HSE, Margaret Sullivan, um, who's going to speak about what are the common zoonoses. And in preparing, I was I was talking to her about that, and she she'll be covering like. Um, two diseases of, um, of of interest to sheep farmers: toxoplasmosis and and enzoatic abortion of yews, which, uh, while they are the two um, two main causes of abortion in sheep in this country, they're also diseases that are, are uh, that are transferable to people. Uh, we also have a talk that evening on tick-borne disease. This is again a topic that will be very close to the heart of of some sheep farmers, and that um, while 
while we have the loping ills and 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 that um and tick uh, tick-borne fever affecting sheep these some of these conditions uh, tick-borne diseases can also affect people and um then our final our final webinar then on on the 24th it's it's very much about emerging disease threats and it's um the the intention is not is not to put the frighteners on people but i think it's it's just kind of making us very aware that um the disease these diseases in a in a in a in a global world um and in a world where we've got issues like climate change um that that they're not they're not maybe as far away as we we would we would like um i suppose two of the Two of the talks in particular that might be of interest to a sheep farming audience is that we're going to have a, a speaker from um, the UK, formerly um, that worked in the, the department in the north, speaking about his experience of diagnosing foot and mouth in 2001 in one of the, the herds up, up there and um, some of the human aspects of it, that the implications for the farmer and even the implications for himself. He he lived on the family farm himself and he couldn't go home that night or for the next two weeks, as as that's one of the rules that anyone that comes in contact with foot and mouth can it um mustn't mustn't go on to a livestock farm. We're also going to have a, a talk on, on blue tongue, again a, a topic um that would be of interest to um to sheep farmers, blue tongue like Schmallenberg is is carried by midges, and um, I'm sure some of the some some of our listeners may have had direct experience of Schmallenberg when it emerged, and um, that that's that's a midge-borne disease that um, midges midges can be carried up to 400 kilometers by wind, so it, it's it's something that. A, a disease that we're actually quite quite concerned about. Um, now, to be honest, we're probably more concerned about it being imported imported into the country than by um, through windborne by being windborne. But at the same time, it is a concern. We have other talks that evening on 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 um, issues like biosecurity, um, African swine fever, which um, has 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 affected a lot of pig herds across Europe. And we're also going to have um, a, 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 a farmer kind of describing um, his own family's experience of the need for a, a wide range of antimicrobials when, when a family member is immunocompromised. So, um, as I say, these are, in, in some ways, these are, are issues that are, could possibly a bit be a bit more dramatic and a bit more pointed, but at the same time, we we need we we feel that farmers should be well informed about them. Certainly, a very comprehensive program. I look for anyone that wants to tune into it; they can find that on um, the website. I'm soon to be pushed to the social media channels. As yes, well. yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's on the department's website, and um, it's our social media team are, are also going to be promoting it. So it'll be on Twitter and Facebook as well as the website. Happy. Look, a lot, a lot to tune into. So there's, listen, it was great having you both on. It's something that's very relevant to us both in terms of production, but also our own health as well. So it's a topic that's well worth covering. And I'd like to thank you both for your contributions today. Thanks very much, Kieran. Thanks very much, Kieran. We're going to finish up there. It's a hugely important topic. I've included links in the description to both of the websites that both Caroline and Damien mentioned. Again, you will find information on how to tune in and register 
at the various webinars that are coming up during Animal Health Awareness Week and how to watch them back afterwards. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for any updates from the Sheep Program, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chocolate Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and listen in to any of our episodes.